back to You Ask For It, a podcast where Pastor Steve and myself just try to answer the questions that you send in about life and faith and culture. And one we uh, that came in today is, is a really, I think, great question that really is prominent um, for where we are in society today. And it's this question, why is believing in the deity of Christ essential? I want to explain it more clearly and consistency, consistently, I'm sorry. Now, this is a real issue in America today, and I'll show you how we know that. There was an article published by the Biblical Recorder in May of 2022. Now, that is the Baptist paper of North Carolina, and it was kind of summarizing um, a really the state of the Bible address that's put out by the American Bible Society. And here's what it said. It said that nearly 40% of Generation Z believe... Well, to define Generation Z. Generation Z is anyone born basically nine, 1995 and later. So that's no, what no, Generation not, Z is. Not later, later. I'm sorry, like up to now. Okay. Yes, yes. So 1995 to 2000, probably 15 is going to be Generation Z. Okay. Um, the generation after that, they haven't named it yet. So, um, but this is a generation that has grown up completely immersed in to, in, they don't know life without a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, they've never known life without an iPhone. This is, this kind of generation. And nearly 40% of Generation Z believe that Jesus was a human and sinned like other people when he lived on earth. 40%. That's a large number. Here in America, yeah. Yes. Now, it sounds, really big, but listen to actually how this compares to the rest of the other generations. Um, Generation X, 37% believe that Jesus was fully human and sinned like other people when he lived on earth. Millennials and boomers were 35%. I'm a millennial, you're a boomer, right? And only the elderly population significantly, that polled significantly lower in believing Jesus sinned at 26%. Now, these numbers that were based on these age groups there was no clear, you know, address it to whether they were Christian or non-Christian here. But there was a statistic that does tell us something about people who engaged with the scriptures, who who read the Bible and studied the Bible, and it said that only 18% believed that Jesus was a sinner. Now, with that being said, what we want to do is just maybe provide some proofs of how why we believe that that the G, the deity of Jesus is, is very important. And the first place to start with that is that the Bible teaches the, de- the deity of Jesus, the deity of Christ. I'll give you some verses that you know well. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1 through verse 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that he had been, that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And then you go to verse 14, and this is important. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word was God, and then the world became a man. Absolutely. That's, 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 how the Bible pictures Jesus. Yes. And then um, another strong passage that backs this up is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It says, He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. 
He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Now listen to this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through, through his blood shed on the cross. This thought that we receive here from verses 19 and 20 is that only a divine son of God could be our savior. Yes, that's right. And that's because not even the best human being could pay for sin, right? Mm-hmm. And so it had to be God. Well, and a lot of people say that, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, the Jews thought he did because they tried to kill him. Yeah. They accused him of blasphemy. If you remember in John 8, when they were saying, now you're only, you're not even 50 and you're talking about, think, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And boy, they picked up stones. Now, let me explain what that was. I am was the special name of God that was given to Moses when he stood before the burning bush in the presence of God. He said, what's your name? And God replied, I am. And so here's Jesus saying, that was me. Mm. I am the God that was in the burning bush. Before Abraham was, I am. And and so they they were going to call kill him for blasphemy. Uh, Paul, interestingly, when he talked about how God saved him and he was a chief of sinners, he said that God saved me even though I formally blasphemed. Mm. Well, he was the most orthodox of Jews. He probably would have never said the name of God out loud in respect for God. How could he have been a blasphemer? Well, he was attacking Jesus. Mm. You know, blasphemy is when you attack God Himself. Yeah. And so the only attack he did was on Jesus. So he said, I was formerly a blasphemer, Mm. but one of the strongest ones. I I love this. When Thomas uh, saw Jesus, he said, I won't believe until I put my hands in the nail prints. He got on his knees when he saw those nail prints. And he said these words, my Lord and my God. Mm. Now you've got to understand, no Jew would ever look at a human being and call them God. That would be the ultimate blasphemy. That would be the ultimate sin. But here is Thomas, and he sees the resurrected Christ. And he says, I know who I'm before. I am standing in the presence of my Lord and my God. He calls Jesus God. Amen. Amen. Another passage that I love that really shows just the fact that Jesus is God is, is Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. It says, adopt these, this same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Not that he was human, he took on the likeness so that he becomes both, right? And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage right here teaches that Jesus was divine. He came from heaven, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says that one day, every knee will bow and worship Christ, mm-hmm. right? As That's God. Right. So it's clear that the gospels and the epistles teach that Jesus is nothing less than divine. Absolutely. But, but the actions of Jesus said it too. Mm. 
You remember the time they got the, the friends that opened up the roof and they lowered down their friend yeah. uh, before Jesus? And I can, I can just see a man poking his wife saying, I saw this yesterday. You're going to like this, son. <laughs> and then, so here's this paralyzed man, and Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, the Pharisees had a hissy fit. Yeah. They said, this man's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive but God alone. Mm. And then Jesus knew, knew their thoughts. He said, well, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk, so that you will know I have the right to forgive mm. sins. Rise up and walk. Yeah. So the action of forgiving, doing something only God can do, was his way of signaling, I am not just a man in your presence. In your presence right now is God himself. Mm-hmm. Or the time that Jesus was in the boat when the storm happened, yeah. and he was sleeping through the storm, and the professional fishermen felt like they were going to go under. They woke him up and said, Master, Master, don't you care that we perish? He woke up and he said to the storm, be quiet, and it got quiet. Mm-hmm. And then they said, who is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. Mm, what a powerful statement. Nobody but God can stand up in a boat and tell a storm to hush. Absolutely. And that's what he did. Yes, I love that. Yeah, so for anybody that says the Bible does not, or Jesus alone doesn't even speak of his deity and everything, he sure proves it in what he does, doesn't he? Right, right. But the, what we see also is that the Bible shows that belief in the deity of Jesus is essential to salvation. Right, Jesus must be God because only salvation is possible through him. And what the Bible does is it connects um, Jesus in his divine nature to terms of salvation. So, for instance, John chapter 20, verse 31 says, But these, th- these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So belief in the fact that Jesus is the Son of God is what offers life. That's right. There's no life without that. Yes, no life without that. Now, another one, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. It says right here that you cannot pick and choose. You either have the Son, you either accept the Son, or you will not have the Father. Amen. And you know, what I want to do... For just a little while, let's go beyond the fact that proving from the Bible that Jesus is divine. If you think about it, God stepped out of heaven and became one of us. There's great comfort that comes from that. Uh, in Matthew one twenty three, where Jesus uh, says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to us. We didn't go to him. He came to us. And then I love what Jesus said to Philip. Philip said, Show us the Father. And Jesus answered in John 14, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And so one of the great things that happens here is that because God became a human, walked among us, I can know that exactly what God is like. I I can know that God will give a sinner a second chance. Look what he did with a woman caught in adultery. Look what he did with with Zacchaeus. I I can know that God can get angry. Look what he did in the temple. Yeah. So if you want to know what God is like, just look at you. He came down there and showed us by becoming one of us what he is like. But also because God took on flesh, the word became flesh. I can go to him in prayer and I can know God knows what I'm like. Hmm. When we get tired, Jesus was so tired at the, in the, by the well in Samaria, couldn't even get up. Y'all go get the food, boys. Hmm. When, when we're hurt, you know, I feel so helpless so many times in the ministry. I'll, I'll, have somebody that comes and says, Pastor, you got to talk to me. My husband just left me. He betrayed me. Mm. 
And I can't sit there and say, I know what you're going through because I've been so blessed for over 45 years to have a wife that's faithful and loving. But I can take that person and say, look, I don't know what you're going through, but Jesus had his best friends run away from him. He had one friend come and betray him with a kiss. Mm. So, So we know that Lord knows what we're like when it comes to pain and illness. You know, I've been by the bedsides of people that were in extraordinary situations. It's horrible when you come to the point where you can't even leave that bed at the end. And I can say mm-hmm. to them, well, my Lord Jesus knew what it was like not to be able to move. Yeah. Nails in his hands, mm-hmm. hanging there, completely helpless. You can go to him. He understands. Yeah. Amen. That's so well, good. One of the best ways, because the, the question asked, why is it essential to believe Jesus is divine, but how can I communicate it? And you and I are committed to being storytelling preachers. Absolutely. So I think one of the best ways that you can communicate why God became man is through a story. So give us a good Paul Harvey story. Yeah, so uh, many in this room probably know who Paul Harvey is, but every Christmas, one of the great storytellers, and every Christmas he would tell the same parable, this the same story to describe to everyone what Christmas was like, how important it was. And it went something like this, that there was a man who was a good man, a decent man, who, who loved his family well, but he just, he just could not believe this whole incarnation thing that the church taught at Christmas, that, that, that God became man in flesh. And so it came to Christmas Eve and, and it was time for the Christmas Eve service. And he told his family, y'all go ahead of me. I'd feel like a hypocrite. I don't, I don't want to go and I'll just stay here and I'll wait for you and I'll see you when you get back. So the family left and they, they headed on to service. And right after they left, this, it started to snow. And so snow started to fall outside of his window. So he went over to the window to, to see what was going on. He stared at the snowflakes for a minute. And then he went back to his chair and began to read the paper. After a couple of minutes of reading the paper, all of a sudden, he heard this loud thud hit the window. Well, he assumed that maybe a kid came and was throwing snowballs out his window. So he went to the door to see what was going on. As he opened the door, what he saw was a flock of birds on the ground. And he was thinking, what are these birds doing here? And what he began to realize is these birds got caught in the storm. And there was no way that they could kind of save themselves. So it was in a last-ditch desperation. They flew towards the large window, looking at this warm house. And they hit the window, and now they're on the ground. Well, he didn't want to leave them that way. So he's trying to figure out what to do with these birds. And he, he thought about the barn. He thought about the barn. He said, if I could just get these birds to the barn, then they'd be warm and they'd be okay. So... He went and got all his warm clothes on and he, he grabbed some breadcrumbs. He said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll make a trail of bread to the barn and then they'll follow the trail of bread and they'll, they'll walk into the barn and then they'll be warm. Well, the birds didn't follow the trail of bread. So then he thought, okay, I'll catch the birds. Well, if you've ever tried to catch a bird, <laughs> that's not happening. So then he's like, maybe I'll shoo the birds into the barn. He begins to shoo the birds and it doesn't work. They spread all over the place and he's trying to figure out what is going on. And then he realizes something. They're afraid of me. I'm this big human being. And, and, and every time I get close, they scurry away. And he, he's trying to figure out how is it that I can communicate with these birds? How, if they could only know that I just wanted to help them, if they could only know that they could trust me. And then he began to think, and he said this, if only I could be a bird, if I could mingle with them and, and speak their language, then I could tell them not to be afraid then I could show them the way to the, the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so that they could see and hear and understand. It says that at that moment, when we begin to think about that, that the church bells rang. These Christmas church bells, 
peeling away at the glad tidings of Christmas. And at that point, it says that he sank to his knees in the snow because he finally understood mm-hmm. that's the incarnation of Jesus. Now think of that in light of John 1, Amen. this, that he, the word who was God, put on flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. That's a beautiful way to communicate that to people. Yeah. Well, I want to close this podcast with one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. It's the, the, he's talking about how so many people are trying to say that Jesus is something less than fully God. So many of you may have heard this before, but it's a great one. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying that really foolish thing that people often say about him, that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Mm-hmm. So if I could close with this analogy. Yeah. I came the first time to this church 30 years ago. And so I have a relationship with so many of the people that are here that goes 30 years back. Not not everyone, but with many of the people that are in this room right now. I've known them 30 years. Suppose I were to look at this crowd tonight and say this. It's been 30 years. I think it's time for me to tell you something I've never told you before. I am God. (laughs) There's a little bit of reaction going out here that I wasn't expecting. There's a lot of laughter in this room. Including well, myself on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So here's what you'd have to come to the conclusion. If I sit here and say, I've known you 30 years, it's time to tell you. I am God. You'd have three conclusions. Number one, it's time somebody get your phone, call Pardee, get the people in that little floor that has the white jackets, and send him there. He's lost it. Or you could sit here and say, hide your checkbook. I smell a TV ministry about to happen. This guy's after my money. Or you could bow before me and worship me as God. That's only the three choices that you have. Here's Jesus who claimed to be God, acted with all the prerogatives of God. And so we have three choices. We can pass him off as a lunatic. We can look at him as a charlatan. Or we can do what Thomas did and say, my Lord and my God. And my prayer is that you will do the thing that is the one thing that determines a person's eternity, that you bow before him and say, my Lord and my God. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this has been a helpful podcast for you as you begin to think through the importance of the deity of Christ and what that means for us and what that means for eternity. It's so important. Thank you so much for submitting your questions. Um, If you have other questions, please submit those to us um, either through the website that we have or um, you can submit them to our church at First Baptist Hendersonville. And we'd love to add those to the queue so that we can answer those as we do more podcasts together. We look forward to being with you again soon. See you later.